If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Alicia. Also joining us for some of the podcast is her gorgeous daughter, Emmeline, who has just recently learned her voice, maybe mistaken for a velociraptor at points. So welcome to the podcast today, Alicia. I'd love to start by understanding what led you to be- decide to become a solo mum by choice. Um, oh, it's a bit of a, I'm really trying to think about it. Um, last night as well, it was kind of the final, well, not the final decider, but the first decider. But um, yeah, it was all kind of, it was back in 2020. Um, and I, I live in country WA, so COVID really didn't have any impact here really until um this year (laughs) um 2022 so 2020 um certainly wasn't a COVID decision but yeah I just sort of turned 35 and I remember one night I had a dream it was very very strange I always have very strange dreams um sometimes you know they mean absolutely nothing and other times they mean something and I sort of I remember getting up one morning and I'd had this really strange dream and I just couldn't shake the feeling that it was giving me over my whole body. And I messaged a friend, um, not even a, a super good friend, but just, just a friend. And I was sort of like, how much do you reckon you can read into dreams? And she said, oh, it sort of depends. And I said, well, what do you mean? What depends on what? She said, well, it depends on what you want to make of it. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, why? What was the dream? And I, told her what the dream had been and she said oh that's a bit creepy and weird and she said do you think you want to have kids and I said I think maybe I do um because up until that point I hadn't wanted to have kids <laughs> I'd sort of been much in camp sorry of no no not having kids just happy with me me and the dog and um yeah so it was sort of from that point and I can't even really I know it was sort of just after my birthday um but other than that I really can't pinpoint time or or day or or whatnot um but yeah then I'm sort of the person that just goes ahead and just gets things happening so So the seed was was planted in your head from a dream but up until that point you didn't think you wanted kids that's right yeah I'd um 
Yeah, I'd sort of, I think, I don't really even remember when, but sort of probably in my early, early mid-twenties, I'd sort of gone, mm, yeah, nah, kids aren't for me. Um, you know, happy with everyone else in my life having kids and, and get my fix that way and, yeah, and then just suddenly I was like, mm, maybe that decision was a little bit, um, not short-sighted, but a little bit presumptuous um, of how life has to be yeah. um, because I was very much um, happy on my own. Um, certainly wasn't wasn't looking for um, Prince Charming and, yeah, very, very much was happy with life as a single. Um, so I think I just kind of put kids into the camp of, well, if you don't have a partner, you don't have kids. Yeah. So if you don't want kids, then you don't need to want a partner. Um, sort of, yeah, remove kids from the equation and, and then you're just happy to just live your life the way you are. Um, and then suddenly I was like, well, maybe I do want kids and that doesn't change needing a partner. So... Not nowadays, anyway. <laughs> and so how old were you when you had that dream and kind of thought, well, I'd better start doing something about this? Yeah, it was just after my 35th birthday. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of think probably that turning 35 played a big big part of it. Um, you know, my mum had finished having kids by 26. So it, I guess I'd always sort of associated having kids as being a, you know, something you do in your, your 20s and your early 30s. Mm -hmm. um, all my friends around me have kids. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, 35, I guess I'm on the downhill run now. So either I decide now or I don't. <laughs> so you, you started exploring. What did you do to find out what was involved and start that process? Um, I contacted, there's only three clinics, it turns out, in the way that have a donor sperm program. Mm -hmm. So I contacted, I, so I don't even know that I necessarily kind of had the thought of like, oh, maybe I can have one by myself. What do I have to do with that? I just kind of went ahead and was like, oh, okay, I, I think I want to have kids now, so I better look into doing it by myself. Um, so, yeah, so I contacted um, fertility clinics um, and, you know, got various responses on, on waiting times and, and process. Um, one of those three I still haven't actually had a response from. Really? <laughs> um, <Wow>. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and then I had back in 2017 donated eggs um, through, okay. um, you know, the anonymous or, or you know, known ID, uh, ID donor release, yep. ID release program. Sorry, it's really early. Um, so I'd done that through one clinic. So I knew that they obviously had a donor program. So I contacted them um, as well um, in amongst, yeah, the other two. And, you know, they came back to me quite quickly um, and were really positive about being able to just get on with it. Um, so I decided to go with them. Uh, I used, I elected to go with the same doctor that had managed me during the egg donation process. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd been really comfortable with her. She's quite lovely. Um, you know, she was good at what she did. I'd, you know, got a decent number of eggs from the first, well, and the only round um, of egg retrieval that they did. So, 
yeah, I felt confident with her and felt confident with the clinic. Um, so on I went with them. Um, so I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. So at 27, you decided to, you, you'd already said, I probably don't want to have kids, but you decided to donate your, your eggs so someone else could yeah. have them. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, 2017, so it's 30, 32, um, and... I don't even really know where that sort of came from. Um, and But sort of my thinking around that was, you know, oh, if I was to get to, you know, my late 30s, early 40s and, and want to have children and find out that I can't, I would hope that there would be some eggs at a clinic that I could access. Yeah. So, therefore, here I am, 32, I don't want to have kids probably got you know reasonable enough genes so I should give my eggs to a clinic so someone can use them if they're in a situation that I hypothetically it, yeah it wasn't about me thinking I would want to use I mean I can't use those eggs they're not my eggs because you know they belong to the clinic but um it sort of wasn't about that it was just about the idea that yeah if I wanted them I would hope they were there so therefore paying it forward a little bit. Yeah. 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 I've got them and I don't need them. So may as well do this. And um, I don't know that differs from clinics, but uh, they only like egg donors up to the age of 35. I think that's so, pretty standard. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was sort of at that point, I was like, oh, well, I better just do it now while I'm, you know, young enough, you know, in case I have to do multiple rounds or whatnot. So, um, yeah, so I've done that back in 2017. And, yeah, sort of that, that to me, it was very, um, I remember writing on the profile when sitting with the counsellor and, and had to do, you know, counselling, obviously. And then I was filling in the donor information form with her, the donor profile, and got to the question about reasons for donation. And I just said, oh, mm, oh. I guess utilitarianism <laughs> and she was like her oh, what and I said well you know I have something I don't need and I can donate this to provide happiness to someone else that may need it yeah so therefore to me that's just a very utilitarian action <laughs> and that's what I should do so I guess that's why I'm doing it and I remember she said oh maybe something a little more you know, wishy-washy, nicey, <laughs> a little, a little less maybe academic. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> she was like, maybe write. I have something I don't need, and I hope some people can make some families or something like that. So, yeah, my donor profile actually would read to someone very different to um, how I intended it. <laughs> So I guess, did you did you have that lens on when you were looking at the sperm donor profiles then? I so did. I was so aware of how quickly I had filled that form in. I remember with eye colour, um, my eyes sort of not change colour, but you know, sort of throw different different colours on different times and days. So I really struggled to decide what my eye colour colour is. You know, is it grey? Is it green? Is it hazel? Is it blue is it brown I, I never really quite know 
You must have the same color eyes as my daughter then because I cannot tell you what color her eyes are. Every time I look at them, they're different. I'm like, yeah. And it's, you know, one of those things I'll say, oh, I've got gray eyes. And they're like, you don't. And I was like, oh, hang on, I did yesterday. Um, so, yeah, so I certainly was very aware that certain that what I'd probably written for my eye color was probably not actually. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a little mist just having her bottle here. <laughs> a couple of burps. Do you want to go down and have a little play now? Um, so yeah, I was I was very aware of that. So sort of yeah, didn't read too much probably into what the donor profile said. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean it's very vague anyway. You know, body type, um, you know, hair color, <laughs> you know, ancestry. So to me, I was like, oh yeah, you know, gives you a vague sense. That it's certainly there's no accuracies here, and you know, there's no way that I could say I want to have a child with blonde hair like I have, so therefore I can pick someone you know to create that. Like, that's not going to be the case, yeah. and you know, as I said, I've ended up with a redhead. <laughs> so, do I know where that came from? Because the donor's profile does not say red hair, um, so here we are. Um, so yeah, that definitely did, did influence. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've done that egg donation round. So, yeah, like I said, I was really um, I was comfortable with the clinic. I live in country WA, as I think I said, um, and at 2017 they had a subclinic um, an hour and a half away from me. So I'd been able to do most of the process down here rather than sort of three and a half hours um, to Perth. Um, and that had made things a bit easier. So, yeah, when it came to doing it for myself, I was just like, yep, I'll go with them, happy with the doctor, happy with the clinic, happy with the processes. I know I can do most of what I need. Near you, kind of knew what we, you knew what was coming as well, having yeah. a collection. It's just the yeah. part of the fertilising and, yeah, popping it back in. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so went with them, went with the doctor. Um, so made my birthday had been August. I think it was probably about September, late September, early October that I'd sort of contacted clinics and then made an appointment with the doctor for December. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to be away for weeks on the way home. I booked the appointment, asked one of my um, very good friends if she would come with me. Um, so she did. Um, she was in third trimester herself at the time. So it was oh, well. kind, of, kind, of, kind of funny. Um, you know, I kind of had a moment of like, oh, I'm not sure I should have brought a pregnant friend to the fertility clinic. Um, Surely it's good luck. <laughs> Oh, your fertility vibes into the air. Who knows? Yeah, it felt a little bit strange. Um, but, yeah, so we went in and, and sat with the doctor and, um, you know, she said, oh, yeah, well, based on, and that was the other advantage of going with that clinic, they had my medical history, they knew how I'd responded to treatment in the past. Um, but she said, based on this, you know, you, you just need to do an IUI. You're only 35 at this point. You shouldn't need to do IVF. Um, well, you know, give an IUI a try. If it doesn't work, we can talk about it after that. Um, da, 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 you'll do this, you'll do this. You know, we'll do this test to check your tubes are open. Um, you can do that, as, you know, under a sedation or just at the ultrasound place. Um, da, 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 go sit with the nurse. They'll explain everything. Off you go. And so, you know, we got shunted out into the nurse's office and... Um, friend and I headed off, you know, an hour after that and <laughs> went out and had some lunch and 
she kind of said, and, and the reason I'd taken her was just to pick up whatever I didn't pick up or, yeah. you know, she did ask a few questions while we were there because um, I knew there were some things I might have forgotten or wasn't thinking of. Um, and, yes, we sat down, we had lunch, and she said, oh, my God, she said, it's December and you could have a baby by Christmas next year. And I went, I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly, but maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so it all, all went very quickly. Um, I did all the uh, test cycle, you know, they tracked me um, through a cycle through January, mm -hmm. um, did the ultra, uh, not the ultrasound, the fallopian tube thing that was excruciatingly painful. Um, I think. Yeah, um, that was certainly, and, and now I've had the baby, I still say that was worse than labour. Um, it was awful and um i did that yeah did did the test round uh went back to the doctor and she said yep all good to proceed with iui just give us a call when you're ready but your rubella is not, not up to date um, you've got no immunity against rubella so you'll need to have a rubella um update booster shot and then from there you know wait i think it was a month after having it Mm -hmm. uh, possibly um so yeah so as the dates all fell um come the first of may i was like oh well let's get started so we got started I did did um a medicated iui round so i took um tablets for five days um had some bloods had some ultrasounds got back from the first ultrasound and the nurses rang and said we'll be doing the procedure on Wednesday, so that was the Monday. Um, they said you need to do your trigger shot tonight, please, and we'll see you Wednesday morning. Um, so it was all even quicker within the cycle. Um, I think that was day 10. Yeah. Um, so, you know, quickly got that email just as we'd finished a meeting at work. So quickly told the principal, sorry, um, I told the boss, um, sorry, I won't be able to be at that meeting on on Wednesday, um, that we had we're having an external panel come in to meet with us, and we'd all been allocated to different review meeting session times. And I was on a number of them. I'm <laughs> sorry, many of them won't be here. Um, so yeah, Wednesday. Did morning, you say why? Did you say I can't make the meeting because I'm off getting pregnant? Because that would be funny. No, no. <laughs> um, I was actually really quite lucky through all of that. Um, had a new boss, um, and he was fairly young, 43, 44, I think, um, and new to the position himself. Um, so he was actually really quite a compassionate, well, he is, he's still my boss now, he's quite compassionate. Um, yeah. You know, he has a young family himself. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, so even through that process, obviously him not knowing that's what I was doing, um, he certainly was very much about respecting privacy. You know, if you just said you weren't going to be at work, he just went, okay yep. everything okay can I do anything no worries that's fine um, so yeah I headed up headed up to Perth uh, stayed with a friend um, a different friend um, and in order to get to clinic for 9am was going to involve peak hour traffic so she said oh do you want me to drop you off um, sort of on she lives on the other side of the city to where her mum lived and
and she was actually heading to her mum's house to take her to some appointments and the clinic sort of in the city, sort of. Um, so she said, I can drop you off and then that way you're not having to do any city traffic in the morning, you're not going to get stressed, um, you know, that stress is all mine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she dropped me off at the clinic and went and picked her mum up and this part uh, is quite funny and quite bittersweet, I guess. Her mum was actually undergoing um, treatment for cancer and was in the stage of moving to palliative care at this point. And she has gone to pick her mum up and then planning to come back to pick me up. And she said to her mum, oh, we're just, you know, we're heading off, but I've got to come a few minutes early because I have to pick a friend up first and then she's coming back with us and, and then I'll drop her home and her mum was like oh okay no worries so sitting in the car and as they're driving in then to the clinic she hasn't said anything to her mum because she didn't want to you know it's my business not her mum's kind of thing yeah and she said, as they've sort of turned around the corner her mum went oh at the fertility clinic and she went oh oh yes and her mum went oh why what what's going on tell me yeah. And so she kind of had to tell her mum and, and then she texted me and was like, I'm so sorry, mum knows. I've just had to tell her. And I was like, oh, that's fine. But it turns out her mum had actually said to her, I might be dying, but I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. Mm -hmm. I know the fertility clinic, so you can't keep this from me. <laughs> um, so we get in the car and, and as we're driving the rest of the way, her mum had a million and one questions and was just so she'd raised her children as a single mum. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she was just so positive and, oh, that's going to be so good. Oh, this is going to work. I feel so good for you. And I'm sort of there, you know, trying to really temper my own expectations. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. You know, after this, it'll be, you know, back to the clinic and we'll start again and it's fine. She was like, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. And, you know, I hope you have a girl because daughters are amazing. Boys are awful. Um, <laughs> and so we've had this sort of this running running monologue, really, it was, um, the whole way. Very beautiful distraction for her as well, given what she was going through. Yeah, it was. And I'd, you know, I mean, I'd known this friend a long while, but I'd actually never met her mum. Um, so, yeah, it was all just kind of quite, yeah, quite nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as, I, as we parted ways, you know, mum was like, oh, you know, I hope everything goes well. You know, I'm you know, really going to be praying for you and, and really thinking positively. So, yeah, that, that was quite nice. Um, yeah, so I headed back to friend's place and, you know, rested the day, stayed the night, um, went back to work the next day, had, you know, the follow-up bloods. And my oestrogen and progesterone were both quite low, mm -hmm. um, too low to sustain a pregnancy. Um, so I was put on um, pessaries at that point. And I had anticipated that because I had always had um, some hormone problems mm -hmm. and my body does not make much progesterone on its own. So I had always been aware that that was likely to be the inhibitor. So I started on the pessaries at the same time. I thought, oh, I might need to just get things in place for when this doesn't work 
so I know where I go from here. Um, if I need to access super, I'll have to have an appointment with a fertility psychiatrist, so I made that appointment. Yeah. Um, had everything in, in place. Um, and then um, I had dinner with my sister and I hadn't told my my parents or my sister, who also lived in the same town as me, I hadn't told them that I was doing the process at that point. They knew what I was planning to do. You'd already told um, them you, you thought you would do it, yeah. Yeah, but wasn't sort of giving them any insight into to dates. I didn't want to get, they were so excited, so I didn't want to get hopes up. Yeah. And my parents were away and, and I was having dinner with my sister and she said, oh, you've been to Perth for a few days. Have you just been up for IVF? And I was like, no, just had to go up for a work thing. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. Not lying because it was IVF. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, so anyway, and then, yeah, so I, I did the pessaries and, and um, you know, sort of two weeks on, I then just cracked and decided to do some tests at home myself. Um, they were showing positive, but because I'd had the trigger shot and I'd had some supplementary um, Ovidrel doses as well, I was a bit like, oh, I think this is, you know, a false positive. So, no, I won't read too much into it. Um, and then went off, had my final blood test and got the phone call later that afternoon to say, it's worked, you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think I was more in, um, in shock. Um, you know, you always think you're going to be in the small percentage of things happening, but the bad things. Yeah. You're going to be in, you know, that 3% who get this wrong with you or get that wrong with you. Um, and I myself have a rare syndrome. My brother had died of a rare cancer. Um, you know, my grandpa had died at 60. You know, so all those bad things that happen in life that happen to a small percentage um, I didn't think that getting pregnant on a you know ten percent chance of first go that I would fall in that. I thought this would be the time I'd fall into majority. <laughs> so must have been your beauty karma from the egg donation earlier. Helped a lot. Yeah, I think a bit of that, and and I think a bit of um, you know I mean this was June by this point, and um, you know, my friend's mum she died mid July, so you know she was very much. At, at end stages, so I think you know there was definitely some some really lovely positive vibes coming coming from her. Um, she apparently kept asking my friend every day, mm -hmm. "Is she pregnant yet? Is she pregnant yet? Is she pregnant yet? Is she pregnant yet?" Um, so I think there's a little bit of that, and I think having no expectation of it working. Yeah, um, I, I think you know not getting my hopes up um, probably took a bit of a bit of stress off. So, yeah. We, so it worked you know, first time, which is fabulous. You're not the first gone. person that's a uh, first guest that's got first time. It is possible. It does happen. Yeah. And so, then how was pregnancy? Um, pregnancy was long. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we sort of that first trimester, I was hit with fatigue. Um, you know, you know, a way that I'd never anticipated. Um. Second trimester, almost dead on, migraine started. Yeah. Um, so I really, really struggled through second trimester. Um, I'm hypermobile ordinarily, so I got um, 
pelvic girdle pain very bad very quickly. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, re really struggled <laughs> through that. Um, made it to work most days. I had no morning sickness um, or nausea or the like. Yeah, no, no ill feelings, none of that. Um, just, yeah, really bad migraines. Um, and then third trimester, I, it was at 28 weeks. Um, I actually was in Perth, um, thankfully, and I had some bleeding. So um, I had a student midwife and um, contacted her and, and said, you know, should I be worried and, and what should I do? She said, well, you're in Perth, so go to the hospital. Um, so headed to um, the hospital. They, you know, put me on the CTG and um, checked and everything was fine. Um, and I was due to see the obstetrician the next day, mm -hmm. uh, two days later. So that was, oh, yeah, that was the Sunday. So I was due to see the obstetrician on the Monday anyway. Um, so, yeah, they said everything's fine. You know, you're seeing the obstetrician tomorrow. So just, um, you know, she'll have the results from the CTG and, and just go from there. Um, but I, at that point, I'd driven to the city on my own um, and as soon as I got pregnant, my parents had swooped into parental mode. So I hadn't been allowed to drive to the city on my own um, for two trimesters by that point. Um, they, they were doing so much for me. Just, um, you know, they just wanted to just keep me, keep me sedate, really. Um, so I kind of was like, oh, don't need to worry, mum. But, you know, I'm just letting you know I'm at the hospital um so they were in the car and on their way up to the city straight away um and stayed with some friends overnight went to the city obstetrician the next day she said look everything's fine but you probably just need a week or two at, at home um in bed and just take it easy um, um and yeah, so we came home and I stayed, went to their place to stay for two weeks. Um, after, after a week, I was able to do some of my work from home. So yep. I started doing from home. And, um, yeah, then I, I went back to work at that point. So that brought me to 30 weeks. Um, my mum had placenta previa with, her first pregnancy um, and had my brother at 34 weeks. Right. So we sort of were a bit nervous about what this all possibly meant and the possibility of a prem baby. So we just sort of set the goals sort of week at a time, you know, mm -hmm. 28 weeks, 29 weeks, 30 weeks, um, then moved to the goal of get to 32 weeks. Um, I have a very good friend who's had three premature babies um, between 32 and 36 weeks, hers have been. Um, so she sort of said, you know, you get to 32 and all's, all will be okay. Um, then it was sort of getting to 34 weeks. I was booked to deliver at a private hospital. So anything prior to 34 weeks, I would have had to go to the public um, yeah. women's hospital. Yeah. So 
um, 34 weeks was that next goal. Um, so I proceeded, yeah, just, just a week at a time, um, went back to work doing half days on site. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm a teacher and a, a head of department. So I was only teaching at this point of the year at a high school um, one class. So I was able to go in for the half days that I actually had that class and then do the bulk of my admin work um, with all computer-based. So I would come home, meet back up for that. Um, and stayed with my parents for a few more weeks, ended up at their house actually till 34 weeks um, and then came home. Um, and then it was the end of the school year, coming into Christmas time. Um, it must have been 30, 35 weeks over Christmas. Um, got to Christmas night, felt no movement all day. Um, Realised, yeah, probably sort of mid-afternoon that I probably hadn't felt anything. Um, so I'd come home, had a little lay down, had some orange juice. Still trying to think about it. So we ended up um, being in a country town was amazing, really. Um, we have an amazing hospital. I was doing shared care with the midwifery group um, practice program, mm -hmm. midwifery group program. Um, so I had an amazing local midwife, amazing local hospital, all the facilities you could ask for. So headed up the hospital on Christmas night, um, but everything was all fine. Um, but it was funny because I hadn't packed my bags. I'd been really in that. It's just a check up, you know, it's going to be fine, yeah. Yeah, but also just in general, I hadn't packed any hospital bags and, and we knew that I was having to head up. I was due at the start of February and I was going to have to head up um, with sort of four, four to six weeks to go um, to the city. And, you know, lots of people had kept at me, you know, oh, you've had a bleed, you've had this, you've had that, because I'd had, I'd, Ended up, I had a few more bleeds in that time that I was on bed rest. Um, and so lots of people, you know, oh, you've got to get your bags packed for hospital. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I think there was a little bit of denial in there. And then, yeah, Christmas Eve, I actually woke up feeling a bit funny and I messaged my mum and I'm like, and we were having Christmas Eve dinner. <laughs> and there was I on Christmas Eve morning. Can you come over and help me pack my bags? <laughs> She was like, Why do you have today? I was like, because I just, just need to. Um, so I actually had my bags packed from Christmas Eve. Um, and then, yeah, come New Year's Eve, um, I lost my plug. Um, so we headed up the hospital again and, and saw my midwife. And um, she's just so beautiful. And she called in the boss midwife and boss midwife you know I've taught two of her children <laughs> one of her daughters had been in my class last year would have been in my class this year yeah. and she's there she's going look I love you Alicia but you need to get out of town you need to go to the city this baby is coming this baby is not waiting to 40 weeks this baby's not waiting to 39 weeks when your doctor says she's inducing you you need to get to the city um because they not a you couldn't have given birth there or they didn't they didn't want birth here um, because I, I have um, a vascular syndrome um, that's very rare and just the there was a lot of unknowns with, with that 
Um, so I'd already, I'd had an MRI to check um, for pelvic involvement and um, was under the care of an obstetric physician. Um, so, yeah, you know, she sort of more looked after my health and implications of that. Whilst the obstetrician obviously worried about the pregnancy itself. Um, so, yeah, they were just very, very nervous um, about me if I was to give birth here. So, yeah, they were just like, get to Perth, get to the city. So there we were, New Year's Eve. <laughs> Off we went. <laughs> um, so my parents have a one-bedroom flat in the city that we were going to reside in. Mm -hmm. So there we were in the middle of summer, mum, dad, my dog and me off to the one-bedroom flat. Um, I took the fold-out bed because it's actually quite comfortable. Um, and, yeah, we, we set up shops. So I spent New Year's Eve in hospital once I got to Perth. So I'd started having contractions on the way. Um, so I went into hospital again for more monitoring, stayed in overnight. They let me out in the morning. Everything had stopped. Um, a week later, same thing, <laughs> back to hospital another night. They let me out in the morning. Um, and I was slowly lo losing my fluid at that stage. Right. Um, so, yeah, then a couple of days after that, second overnight stay in the Perth Hospital, um, woke up, wasn't feeling the greatest and took the day quite slow. Um, where we were staying, had a fair bit of uh, hills and steps. We were on the fourth floor of an apartment block with no elevator. Um, <laughs> So there was I walking up and down, up and down, up and down with that. Um, and, yeah, so we'd had this slow day. And that night, lots of um, elbows through my stomach and <laughs> feet. And I sort of was going, oh, I don't know what this baby's doing. Like, this is weird. And, um, yeah, went to bed. And about an hour later, I still hadn't gone to sleep. And then suddenly had the gush that I'd been promised I would get. Um, so that was that, 37 weeks off we went to hospital. And Not bad, into 37. Yeah, it was um, absolutely. And what was actually really quite good about that was I'd, I'd had this MRI of my pelvis to check that I had no vascular issues there and only... That was the Tuesday night. Only on the Monday I'd been to have an appointment with the anaesthetist that was likely to be the anaesthetist because I was going to be induced at this stage. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd had an appointment with her just to talk about, I was a bit nervous about pain relief, um, but also nervous about the implications of the syndrome. And met with her on the Monday, had this amazing appointment with her. Um, so detailed, drew diagrams, explained everything. And then she rang on the Tuesday morning and she said, you need to have some blood tests. She said, I've done some reading into your syndrome and you need to have some more blood tests. I'm concerned about clotting. Um, and you need to have an MRI of your spine because I'm worried that you might have some vascular involvement through your spine. And if you do, it's possible that it'll be in the epidural space. So she was on... Um, C-section work all day that day and she also had spoken to my obstetrician and at that point I didn't realise I had an appointment booked for the Wednesday well. and the obstetrician had told her that I would be induced, she was bringing it forward another week so I was going to be induced on the 18th um, at 38 weeks and so she took 
down the referral to the MRI place and booked it in. I'll just grab um, yeah, she took me, uh, took the referral down to the MRI place. So I went in at 6pm on the Tuesday evening for MRI. Um, and at that point, the MRI guy said, you know, I've been instructed by the anaesthetist that if you go into spontaneous labour um, before the results are back, you won't be able to have an epidural. Um, and if you require a C-section, it'll have to be under a general. Um, so that's until we've got the MRI results. Oh, so, yeah, that, okay. that was 6 p.m. Um, and during that MRI, baby did not move at all. And during the previous MRI, baby had had an absolute dance fest um, every time the machine went boom, 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 boom. So we left the MRI and um, my dad had driven in. And I said, oh, can we just go through Hungry Jacks? I need to get a Coke. Um, <laughs> get so got, got, a, got a Coke. Um, and, yeah, sure enough, then that evening, lots of kicks and, and um, movement and definitely that Coke had worked. Um, so, yeah, then midnight thereabouts, um, my waters broke. And off we went to hospital and had a baby the next day. And you had the MRI results by that stage? They came in at 9am, so um, the doctor rocked in and this was the day I was actually due to see her. Um, so she rocked in at 8.30 in the morning. Um, she said, we're going to put a uh, starter drip now. Like, you know, you haven't had a lot of contractions, but your waters are broken, so we need to get drip started. Um, she said, you can't have an epidural yet. We're waiting for your MRI. Um, the on-shift anaesthetist came in. Absolute, the service that I got from the anaesthetics team at my hospital was just second to none. Um, so that anaesthetist came in. She was well aware of my case. Um, she said, so if you're wanting an epidural, we haven't got the MRI results. Um, I, mean, I spoke can't to have one. <laughs> yep, so, you know, this is where we're at. Um, then the blood test results came in. The um, MRI results then came in. She came back in and she was like, it's all good. You can have an epidural if you want one. I was like, no, thank you. It's all good. Um, and, yeah, so drip in at 8.30, laboured till about half past 12 um, with just the gas and my TENS machine. And then um, by half past 12, doctor came in and I was only four centimetres. Um, by this point, my bad leg that I've got this vascular issue with had swollen right up. Um, so I couldn't um, couldn't stand, couldn't walk. I had the shakes. Um, so um, and so at that point, I opted for the epidural. Um, that was half past twelve, so half past one. The anaesthetist came in. He was amazing. He'd been on the phone to the chief anaesthetist. Came in. Explained everything so clearly, did a great job. And um, three hours later, uh, well, that was half past one, so two hours later, um, obstetrician came in for another check and she said, oh, you're ready to push. Oh, okay. Let's go. So we, yeah, and we'd just been sitting. Um, my mum was with me um, and my student midwife hadn't been able to make it. Um, and... 
the hospital midwife. So we'd actually just been sitting talking about the legislation around donor conception. Um, you know, as, the, as you do, the midwife um, was just, you know, super curious. Um, so we we're just sitting having that conversation. Um, Mum was sitting having her lunch. Um, she thought, oh, we're going to be here a good few hours still. I might miss dinner. Let's have a decent lunch. Um, yeah, and then obstetrician comes in and goes, oh, yeah, you're ready to push. And midwife's like, oh, oh, hang on. Better get into gear. And, um, yeah, they got everything set up. And 17 minutes later, I had a baby. Um, and that was that. Was she loud when she came out too? No, she was she was quiet. Um, and it's funny, she she's such a squawker now, but um she's such a calm and placid baby. Um she just likes to sound like a pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's found her voice. Um, but yeah, she's such a such a calm, placid baby, and mum reckons you know, it was actually the entire birth experience. Um, you know, there was no noise. I was, you know, I didn't make noise. It was none of that screaming and carry on that you get in the no Hollywood stuff. No. no, it was just, you know, yep, this is what we're doing. This is where we are. Yep, yep, okay, that's fine. My doctor was very calm, um, had felt like she didn't have the greatest bedside manner um, through the pregnancy, but could see that that really paid off in the birth. Um, because she was just calm, no drama. This is what we're doing. This is hit where it is. This is how it goes. Um, so yeah, it was all all pretty cruisy in in that respect. Did you find out when you were pregnant what you were having, or did you wait until? I wanted a surprise. Yeah. Did you have I kind of picked out for everything, or? I was pretty sure it was a boy. Um, so I certainly had bought you know, gender neutral stuff, but things leaning towards boy. Um, I was pretty definite on boy names. Girls, I had a few names, but, you know, whatever kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't believe when the doctor held her up to me and she said so, and I went, it's a boy, I told you. And she was <laughs> like, oh, look. I was like, oh. Well, well you're a girl. girl. You're a teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Um, so... Yeah, it was a girl. I was like, oh, gosh, okay. Um, not, you know, not ready for this. Um, so, yeah, but I, I did, I had a couple of names um, and one just kind of fell out my mouth. So, Emmeline, E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E, or Emmy, Emmy arrived. Brilliant. So, 37 weeks you got to after all that drama, so that's nice. Yep. Got to cut my cord myself where that had been my only you know definite thing about birth I'd said I want to cut my own cord I don't want anyone doing that for me um got to cut my cord that was very exciting um and yeah so we we stayed six nights in hospital um as a fairly you know I guess standard uh, it was a, a private hospital and I chose to stay for the six nights I could have left you know much earlier um but she ended up you know, with jaundice, um, needed to go to the nursery for a night to go onto the lights. Um, and had to advocate a little bit for myself around the breastfeeding um, because I knew, knew that was going to be problematic. I've had a reduction um, when I was 19, so I knew that I, 
going to be trouble. Um, so I used a supply line, so we were able to establish some breastfeeding, which um, was really good, avoided the bottle for a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, so we, we headed off on a 42 degree day, <laughs> six days later, the day she was actually meant to be induced, um, headed off for the three and a half hour drive home. Um, she did great. She slept the whole way. <laughs> um, we stopped at a friend's for lunch and then, um, yeah, came home and she's just been an absolute delight and such an easy baby ever since. Brilliant. And yeah. Is having the two of you at home what you thought it would be going into this or is it different? And It's been, um, I've had some moments of, I guess, kind of that out-of-body kind of sensation where I've kind of looked down and gone, wow, this is my life now. Yeah. And great. I love it. Um, I'm going back to work in October and, you know, I won't lie, if I won lotto, I would not go back to work. Um you know, love to be at home with her, but, you know, mortgages to pay and, and bills to pay, so that's that. Yep. Um, and I've been so lucky to have had, in the end, nine months at home with her. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's magical. Um, we just get to hang out and, you know, we go to play group and mother's group and swimming lessons and, um, you know, we're in a country town, so we walk everywhere, mm. <laughs> always in the pram. Um, we've got a little dog. Um, he just adores her. Um, he's, you know, taking the back seat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just it's great. Um, and she's an easy, easy baby. Um, squawking aside, <laughs> um, very easy baby. She sleeps like a jet. Um, eats well is you know healthy yeah it's yeah it's all just very very easy um and if you look back now is there anything that you think you'd do differently in this journey no um i mean the only thing i probably i think i would have i would have chosen to deliver locally mm -hmm. if i didn't no, sorry, let me rephrase that. I would have always chosen to deliver privately in the city because that's just what I would have done. But the care that I got through our local hospital and the local midwife program was just absolutely second to none, that if I hadn't had the medical issues for myself that meant that they didn't want me to deliver here. <laughs> um, that's probably the only thing that I, I would do differently you know, if I knew differently and could have done differently, would have been to elect to just stay home, um, to not need to go to Perth and, and wait for three weeks in um, the city, you know, sort of, it's like everything was just on hold. Um, well, even if you didn't have the complications, you would have had to drive still three and a half hours to the hospital to have her. That Oh, yeah, and that's the thing, I would have chosen to do that. Me out. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have chosen to do that even if I hadn't had the complications. Um, but now, yeah, I think if I take the complications out of it, then I would have elected that would be the one thing I'd do differently would be, yeah, deliver locally and, and have the faith in the local system um, because they're exceptional. Um, because, yeah, just that three weeks, oh, two and a half weeks we ended up in Perth 
um, it was, I mean, it was lovely, you know, it was chilled, didn't really do much, but, you know, wasn't at home, wasn't able to keep, you know, plodding away, doing little Missing. things. So, yeah, you know, her room wasn't quite ready and those little things. Um, so sort of when we got home from hospital, you know, sort of that first couple of weeks, I felt like I was in that real unpack mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, in terms of the rest of the journey, <laughs> nothing I would have done differently. Um, and if anyone is listening that's kind of on the fence about whether they should go down this route to fulfill their motherhood dreams or not, what advice would you give them? Um, I'd say, I mean, I, I think, you know, everyone says just go ahead and do it. Um, I think, you know, know that you've got your supports in place, mm-hmm. whether, whether those supports are purchased, you know, and sort of under your own command or, or whether they're human supports from, you know, people that are around you. I think, you know, even if you haven't got family and friends around you, that doesn't need to be an inhibitor. But know that you've got your things in place um, because that certainly certainly makes the difference. I, in 2020, had just built a house and, and moved into my house. Um, so, you know, that's been... I haven't finished things off in terms of the yard, um, but that's just been really nice to know that, you know, I've got my home, um, yeah. you know, I've got my job in order, all of those kind of things. Um, and, and that certainly takes... Uh, the stress out of it. Um, yeah. so I, I think, you got the yeah. foundation sorted first, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it, it's, it would be lovely to think that I maybe could have jumped and just done this earlier. But for me, that would be very stressful. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of, yeah, just need to know that, yeah, everything is in place and, you know, it's been lovely being on maternity leave and I've had long service leave as well. Um, but, you know, I know I go back to my job and that's made everything enjoyable and, and allowed me to enjoy just being mum. Um, yeah. Well, that sounds a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know lots of people will get a lot out of it and especially the hope that yet another person who got pregnant from their first round of IUI. So absolutely. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.